Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. How are we doing? Do we love Jesus more today than ever? I got to tell you, regardless of what campus you're at, those in the room, this is such a treat for me to be able to be in a room with people. There are some points where you don't want to be around people, but knowing that what hit our world in March of 2020, we're still dealing with back in New York City. So we're not gathering like this. So to be able to be in the room with the saints, worshiping and praising God, I'll tell you what, it it makes me never to want to take that for granted again. I just get me around anyone that loves Jesus. Word of life, I love coming here because I know you love Jesus. Anybody in the room grateful for Jesus? Come on, it's a little bit later in the morning. Anybody in the room grateful for Jesus? You would not be here without Jesus. Without the grace of God, you would not be sitting in that seat. Come on, give your God a shout of praise in this place. We, we love you, Jesus. We, we love you, Jesus. We, we love you, Jesus. I am absolutely honored to be here. I, I love this church. I love preaching in this church because this church loves the word of God. And I don't just say that to say that it's, it's true. I, I stepped into the role of, of senior pastor, my wife and I, in January 2020. What a year to become senior pastors. The end of January, I got to see my church for eight weeks and then haven't seen them since. <laughs> but man, I've been home and I've been serving them. When I got the email to be with you all on a Sunday, I broke the rules and I said, I am coming to be with family because when I come, I always leave here more encouraged. I, I want to love Jesus more. I want to love my church more because of your incredible pastors. Are you grateful for the pastors that you have? I think you could do a little bit better than that. Are you grateful for your pastors? Aren't they amazing? Pastor Joel and Pastor Pepe, we love you. Honored, honored to know you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to stand behind your pulpit and to preach. There are people here. I got to pinch myself because I've been preaching to cameras, people. That's not fun. You got to see the emails and the YouTube comments. I'm like, you do it, you know, like, my goodness. Like I said, I'm from Queens, New York, which simply means I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to say it like I feel it, regardless if you say anything back to me. <laughs> but man, the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me about our faith, the church at large, about just where our faith is at and where it needs to be, because he's about to do something great on the earth. I, I didn't say this in the earlier service, but uh, I, I caught this picture uh, last fall, 2020. It was about 5 a.m. in the morning. I was out for a run. But you got to love that, right? I just love throwing that in there. 5 a.m. I was running because I'm so fit. And um, I got up around 3 a.m. to pray, but that's another story. Um, but no, I, as I was running, it started to rain. 
And the Holy Spirit, as I was running in the rain, the Holy Spirit gave me a picture. And just imagine an illustration of the earth from outer space. And I saw around the earth houses. And those houses represented churches. And over these churches, there were rain clouds. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm about to pour out my spirit greatly on the church. Get ready. Believe me for it and ask me for it. And that moment, my expectation grew greatly. And here's been my prayer ever since. Lord, I know you don't need me to do it, but please don't do it without me. Right? Like, who wants to experience revival? Who wants to experience an abundance of people? Like, the way that I look at it and what God is doing through this church, this is revival. I mean, my goodness, campuses and growth and people loving Jesus in 2021. But here's the best thing about it. There's more. There's, there's more people to be saved. There's more miracles to happen. There's more buildings to be given. There's more land to acquire. There's more missionaries to support because Latin America needs Jesus and all over the world needs Jesus. Amen? 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Now there came a day when Elisha went over to Shunem, where there was a prominent and influential woman, and she persuaded him to eat a meal. Now, I just want to pause right there, because if you just read that first sentence, it could sound a little sketchy. You know what I mean? Like, here's a rich woman. And she, she, told, she told the prophet to eat a meal with her. But she, she ain't that kind of woman. She's not that kind of woman. She's, she's actually a very special woman. She, she's a woman of God. And I love pointing this out because she's, she's rich. And somewhere along the line, somebody started preaching that to have money was to be in sin. And we know that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. What happens is they misconstrued the quote where Jesus says that it is difficult for a rich person to give their lives to him. But it's not impossible. It's just difficult. He does say that it is easier. It is easier for a camel to travel through the eye of a needle. However, he just describes that it's difficult for rich people. It does not mean that there aren't saved rich people. And listen, we need saved rich people. I want to be a saved rich person, amen? I just, so that I could help bless the kingdom. Without, without riches, you, you, can't, you can't turn the lights on. You, you need money in order to do ministry so we could support missionaries and we could help the church exist in multiple locations. So this woman is, is incredible. I want to establish that because she is a woman to aspire to be like. This is an influential woman of God. It says this, afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. She said to her husband, behold, I sense that this is a holy man of God who frequently passes our way. In other words, honey, this man, this prophet, he doesn't just carry the title, he's the real deal. There's an anointing on him. She goes on to say, please, to her husband, let us make a small, fully walled upper room on the housetop for him. Let's make an upper room. If any of you grown up in church, particularly the Pentecostal or charismatic church, when you hear that term upper room, you are about to shout. You know what I mean? Just, that's a buzzword for you. You're like, upper room? Let's go. Give me a flag. I'm about to, I'm about to take a lap. Please let us make a a small, fully-walled upper room on the housetop. She says, honey, let's build the man of God a penthouse. 
Let's take our resources and let's build an apartment for him so that when he comes to minister, he has a place to rest. So it's, it's something he doesn't have to worry about. And let's put a bed in there for him with a table, a chair, and a lampstand. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he could turn in there. One day he came there and turned into the upper room and lay down to rest. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Now he said to Gehazi, say to her now, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? You've done all this for me. What can I do for you? You did this for me. Now, what could I do for you? Why? Because generosity begets generosity. What can I do for you? Would you like to be mentioned to the king or to the captain of the army? She answered, I live among my own people in, in peace and security and need no special favors. Later, Elisha said, what then is to be done for her? He's not giving it up. He's not walking away. He's like, there's something that I could do for this woman. And even though she's not telling me, I'm going to figure it out. Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. She has no son and her husband's old. That sounds like a diss, right? It's not a diss. It's not a diss. In other words, the original language would just suggest that, that they were older in age and they were without family. He said, call her back. Call, call, get her back here. So Gehazi called her back and she came and stood in the doorway and Elisha said, at this season, next year, at this season, next year, at this season, next year, you will embrace a son. At this season, next year, you will embrace a son. At this season, next year, you will embrace a son. But then look at her response. She says, no, no, my Lord, oh man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Do, do not lie to me. What can I do for you? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. The second time he calls her back, he doesn't ask her this time. He tells her. Why is it the first time he asks her, the second time he tells her? Probably because he doesn't want to be lied to again. What can I do for you? And then when he says what he's going to do for her, look at her response. She's not being rude. She's not being disrespectful. It is obvious that this woman has longed to be a mother. She has longed to have a family. So when she hears that she's about to be a mom and this family that she has wanted all of her life that she thought was now beyond her because of her age, she can't even, she can't even imagine it and she's completely overwhelmed. And what she's saying is, sir, with all all respect and reverence don't 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 toy with me don't play with me like that don't 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 do that because because there was a time that I've asked and I pleaded and I prayed and I did not get it and now you're telling me after all this time after all those seasons after all those nights and mornings of crying after looking at all those Christmas cards after going to all those family events having to be around all those other people's children having to go to all those other baby showers having to be around all that and now She's not being rude. She's speaking from a place of fractured faith. Don't, 
Don't do that to me. Don't, don't do that to me. Don't, don't. And the Bible says, the Bible says, but the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that season the next year, just as Elisha had said to her, just as Elisha had said to her. What could I do for you? I'm good. I'm good. I want to speak to you today from the idea, which I believe is actually a command from heaven for you, for us. Make room for expectation. If you're taking notes, can you write that down? Make room for expectation. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Make room for expectation. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we praise your holy name. Holy Spirit, we need you. Would you fall on this place? Would you speak through your servant? And would you allow each and every one of us to leave this place full of faith in the precious and matchless name of Jesus? If you agree with that, can you shout amen? Amen. Come on, can you shout amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. This morning, I woke up to a phone call from my son, Dylan. And he said, Dad, how's Mississippi? I said, I don't really know, son. I got here at midnight last night, and I've been in my hotel room, and now I'm going to church. He said, cool. I heard they eat gator there. Will you try some for me? (laughs) My son's a foodie. He he loves food. Any any foodies in the house? Man, I I love to eat. One of my favorite hobbies in all the world is eating. (laughs) It's going to a good restaurant. Come on, who loves going to a good restaurant? I'm I'm from New York City, the the melting pot of good restaurants. And, And there's nothing I enjoy more than going to a good restaurant with a good group of people. Man, I love going to eat with a good group of people, especially, especially when there's someone there that knows how to order. You know what I'm talking about? The one that says, we don't need no menus. Ma'am, sir, you could keep those. I'm going to tell you what we're going to get. I love that person. I'm like, do you, do you. You go on ahead. Let us know. What are we going to eat? They take over. Yeah, we're going to get some of this, and we're going to get some of that. And if we're going to get some of that, we got to make sure that we also get some of this. Oh, you got that? Cool. You got to pair this with that. I love that person. Just telling you what you're going to eat. Feed me. Nothing like going with somebody that knows how to order. You know what's equally as bad? Not someone that doesn't know how to order. That's not their fault. That's a lack of experience or bad taste buds. You know what I mean? Like, that's not on them. Bless their heart. But going to eat with somebody that refuses to order. You ever gone to eat with that guy? With that girl, the waitress comes around, the waiter comes around, what can I get for you? And, and we're ordering, and people are ordering, and then it gets to them. They're like, no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> You're good? Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good. You're not going to eat? No, 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 I'm I'm good. You're good? Then why are you here? You know what I mean? Like, you're taking all the enjoyment out of the experience. No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm just going to have some of the bread and the water. The bread and the water? What are you, a bird? You know what I mean? Like, who, who lives like this? 
Here you are with the menu, a plethora of options to pick from, and you're good with just the bread and the water? The Holy Spirit told me that I was going to be speaking to the bread and water people. The people that are in the room, the people that are in this incredible atmosphere of faith, regardless of the campus that you're at, the presence of Jesus is there. The saints are there. The testimonies are there. The stories are there. The blessings are there. You're hearing about the churches in Portland being blessed with $15,000 and the missionaries in Latin America serving the, the gospel. And you're hearing about what God is doing for others. But when it comes to you, you're, you're simply settling. And the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that today is the day that he breaks the limitation off of your expectation. Today is the day that he breaks the limitation off of your expectation. He's going to break the limitation off of your expectation. In other words, the Holy Spirit is about to free your minds and fill your faith. He's going to, fill, he's going to release your minds and he's going to fill your faith. Your faith to believe. Somebody shout out, expect more. Expect more. The brilliant John Maxwell wrote this. He says, the primary limitation in life, the primary limitation in life is our low expectation for ourselves and others. Listen to this next part. When we expect minimum results, when we expect minimum results, that's usually what we get. When we expect minimum results, that is usually what we get. See, as saints, we have to challenge our own faith and expectations. Why? Because we serve an all-powerful and limitless God. We serve a God who is all-powerful and limitless. We serve a God who is all-powerful and limitless. This is why Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. More than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. More than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. We serve a God that is able to do more than, immeasurably more. You cannot quantify. You cannot put a number to it. There is no limit on what he could do. You thought one child, one child was too difficult. He said, I create humans. That's what I do. I can give you families and I can give you legacy. I'm not just giving you a child. I'm giving you children who will have children who will have children. What you think isn't going to happen for you is is about to happen for you if you would just ask of me. You're settling for the bread and the water, and yet you know that I am the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hill. When I speak, I speak things into existence. I don't even need material to work with in order to create. I don't even need a man or a woman for a child. I can get a virgin pregnant, and I can use that virgin to bring forth the Messiah. Do you know who you're talking to? If you know who you're talking to, and if you know that nothing is too hard for me. Why is it that you are in need and you refuse to ask? Here's the question. What do you need and why haven't you asked for it already? 
What do you need for your marriage? What do you need for your business? What do you need for your health? What does your blood cells need? What does your children need? What does your finances need? What does your church need? What does the ministry need? What does your cousin need and your uncle need and your auntie need and your neighbor need? What do they need? And how could you be completely aware of a need and know that there's one that no need is too difficult, but you won't connect the dots? Today is the day that you don't just think about your need. No, no, no. But you, you introduce your need to the solution, the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. What? Do you need? What do you need? What do you what do you need? What do you what do you need? What what do you want? Do you know that there's nothing wrong with wanting? There's nothing wrong with wanting. There's nothing wrong with wanting. This woman obviously wants to be a mom, but when given the opportunity to ask, she, she, plays, the, she plays the false humility card. I'm good, I'm good. You're not good. I'm good, I have everything I need. You have everything you need, but what about what you want? I don't know where... I don't know when it happened within church and, and within bad preaching and, 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 and bad Christian television, but, but somebody told somebody that it is holier not to want. And yet the Bible says that Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Come to me with all your burdens. Come to me with all your concerns. Throw it at my feet. I am the God that can provide. I am the God that can meet you where you're at. I am able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. How could this be our God, and how could we stay stuck in our need or wants or desires? What do you want? You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a mom. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be married. There's nothing wrong with wanting a better business. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make more money as long as what you want is what God wills. You know that verse in the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart? Come on, if you've ever been single in church, or a young adult in church, you have misappropriated that scripture, all right? He's going to give me the desires of my heart. Okay, Lord, I desire him right there. That's who I desire. That's not what that scripture is saying. That's not what that scripture is saying. Here's what that scripture is saying. That scripture is saying that when you desire what God wills, God will give you what he does have for you. And the more you seek God, the more your heart will become like God's. So even if it was not God's will for this woman to be a parent, she still should have asked because then she would have gotten the answer that she had been needing. This is why you need to ask so that you could find out God's will. Whether you get your way or not, that is not the point. You don't want your way, you want his will. 
ask of me and I will give it to you. I will bring it to you. What do you need? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. And on one side of it, let's just celebrate the fact that she's still willing to serve the man of God. She is still willing to help and provide for the kingdom. She doesn't turn her back on the man of God. She doesn't turn her back on ministry. And yet it is obvious that she has wanted something from God and still doesn't get from God. I mean, that's a special kind of woman right there, right? It is obvious, it is obvious that she's content. Contentment is a beautiful thing. Oh, if we could be content in God, saying you are more than enough. She's, she's content. She, she wants from God, but doesn't get from God. But yet when given the opportunity, she doesn't ask. But yet she's content. She's content in her faith, but she doesn't ask. Friends, there's a fine line in being content in your faith and being convinced that your faith cannot produce more. It is a fine line in being content in your faith and believing that your faith cannot produce more. But she's content. And as a result of being content, she remains faithful. How beautiful is that? That even after not getting what she wants from God, she continues to serve God. She continues to worship God. She continues to fund the kingdom. She continues to stay faithful where she is. I got to be honest with you. That's my kind of believer right there that says, even when I don't get from God, I'm still going to worship God. Even when I don't hear him the way that I want to hear him, I'm still going to praise him. Even though I asked and I did not receive what I asked for, I'm going to praise him. I wanted you stood quiet. I'm still going to worship you. I begged you, you said nothing, I'm still going to praise you. I thought I was going to get the job. I didn't get the job, I'm still going to honor him. I wanted the relationship. You didn't have the relationship for me, I'm still going to praise him. I wanted the healing. The healing didn't come when I wanted it to come. He still deserves all the praise, glory, and honor. On one side of it, can we just celebrate her faithfulness? I mean, let's be honest. Faithfulness, what a, what a beautiful thing, and yet it's so rare these days. We have people that are fickle. We have, we have saints that are over here one second and over there the next, and I believe this one second and I believe this the next, and the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He is like a wave of the sea tossed back and forth. That man or woman shall never please God or receive from God. See, what this woman serves is as an illustration to what it looks like to be a believer, a faithful believer. I mean, my goodness, what are the words that we long to hear at the end of our lives? Well done, good and faithful servant. This is what faithful looks like. When you ask and don't get it, but continue to praise him. When you ask and don't receive it, you continue to worship him. Is there anybody in the room that says, my life did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. I did not get what I thought I was going to get. 
life, but my goodness, you're not going to stop me from worshiping my Jesus. Oh, because I love my Jesus. I will praise my Jesus. I don't care what it says on the outside. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If there's any of those faithful saints in the house, I dare you to take a 30-second praise break right now and give Jesus a shout. Come on, word of life. One, two, three, go. It's Jesus. It's it's Jesus. It's, it's King Jesus. We're, we're faithful to Jesus. We, we follow him and we serve him and we do for him and we live for him because he's Jesus. He's been faithful to us. And if he's been faithful to us, we'll be faithful to him. Oh, church, if we could just get this, if the next generation can learn this, the only way the next generation learns it is if the previous generation models it and enforces it. We have to show a generation what it looks like to stay the course. I know there's a pandemic, but a pandemic does not beat my God. My God is still on the throne. He still died for me. Yeah, but I didn't get the job that I wanted. So what? You got the eternity you didn't deserve. And because you got the eternity, in heaven that you did not deserve who cares about the job who cares about the title who cares about the gift you have salvation I mean remember when we used to say things like even if he did nothing else the cross was enough is there anybody in the room that still believes that the cross is enough and because the cross is enough you serve where you're at with everything you got. She didn't get what she wanted, so it didn't stop her from serving. And she was a wise woman. Because although she didn't ask when she should have, she didn't allow, she didn't allow what didn't happen for her to stop her from doing for others. You know that the Bible says that a faithful person will be richly blessed. Here is an example of what being faithful and richly blessed looks like. At a time when she thought there was nothing else she would get in life, she gets the very one thing that she could not purchase. A faithful person will be richly blessed. She's faithful to what? Faithful to serve. Maybe you're in the room today and you, you stop serving because you don't understand life. Keep serving. Keep opening your home. Keep tithing. Keep, keep being kind. Keep, keep offering the ride. Keep, keep, keep engaging in small group. Keep, keep helping in youth ministry. Keep going. Keep going. Keep, keep going. The Bible says that your gift will make room for you, and it will put you around the great. But what was her gift? Her gift was serving. Do you know that Romans talks about gifts and says that prophecy if your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy. If it's to serve, then serve. I feel like so many people, if we were to say, what's a spiritual gift? They'll say speaking in tongues or prophesy. But hardly no one will say serving. Because prophecy in tongues, well, that's, that's spiritual labor. And serving, that's physical labor. And yet, the two are shoulder to shoulder in the scripture. And yet, if we were all to pray right now for the gift of prophecy, maybe a handful would get it. God could give it to us, but historically it doesn't work that way. There's a few prophets, and a few prophets, all prophets speaks to the nations. But we all can serve. And how beautiful of God 
that serving is a spiritual gift, and if I'm faithful to use my gift, it will bring me into rooms that I could never get into on my own. And he makes it that easy. All you have to do is continue to serve faithfully. This woman is faithful, but sadly, she's faithless. She's faithful, but she's faithless. It is possible to serve faithfully and to faithfully serve while being faithless. Man, I want to encourage the one that's, that's here because he is the God that is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. See, when given the opportunity, what do you want? She says nothing. Good. I'm good. And she thought all she was there to do was to build an upper room for the man of God, not realizing, not realizing what God had in store for her. You know, that term upper room, I joked about it before, but it's synonymous with Acts 2 because that's where the Holy Spirit first fell on the day of Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit fell, it is said that the sound of a rushing wind filled the whole house, as noted in Acts 2, verses 1 through 2. And the Greek word house is oikos and refers to a house or a living space. And this living space was the upper room. Track with me here. The term upper room also suggests that it was a part of a larger structure. So that means there's an upper room and beneath the upper room is a house. It's other rooms. The Holy Spirit filled the upper room, and as a result, the rest of the rooms were full. The room itself must have been fairly big because you're talking of a minimum of 12 plus disciples living there when the Holy Spirit first fell on the day of Pentecost, and there were 120 people in the room, as noted in Acts 1, verse 15. So not only was it a place of residence for the disciples, this is the same room where they held the Lord's Supper, as noted in Luke 22, verse 13, and nominated Matthias to be the next apostle. It was also the room where Jesus appeared to the disciples, as noted in Mark 16, verses 14 through 16, and washed their feet in John 13, verses 1 through 7. It is also where the disciples gathered for prayer and worship after Christ ascended in Acts 1 verses 13 through 14. What does that tell us? That tells us that God likes to work in upper rooms. God likes to work at the top. And if he could just get to the top, everything underneath it will be affected and will be blessed. When given the opportunity to ask, she says, I'm good. Why does she say, I'm good? She says she's good because she probably has the memories of all the other moments where it didn't happen for her. Or, or she's feeling insecure and thinking, this man might look at me and see how old I am and think that that moment has passed, and then he might tell me, ask for something else, and that's too embarrassing. I don't want to have to go through all that. What was it? What were the insecurities, the fear, the concerns that were running through her mind that prevented her from asking? And it frustrates me that she doesn't ask. Why doesn't she ask? Well, because her upper room was full of doubt, insecurity, 
and fear. I am the God who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever think or imagine. You have not because you ask not. The same way the Holy Spirit has worked through upper rooms throughout history. He is still wanting to fill upper rooms today. And if he could just get to your upper room where your thoughts live and your concerns live and your insecurities live, do you realize that every other room will be affected? He says, I don't have to fill you from the top to the bottom. I just have to touch your top and your bottom will be taken care of. So if I could just get here, then the room underneath your eyes won't see things as jaded as they see things now. And your ears, they won't have that filter of doubt when they hear things. And your mouth, oh, that, that, that tongue of negativity, it will be gone if I could just get to your upper room. See, she thought she was building an upper room and God was after her upper room. He used her upper room to show her that if you would just allow me to get to you, what you're doing for him, I want to do for you. The blessing that he's receiving, you're going to receive a blessing in a greater way. And all he needed to do was get here. He needed to get here so that she could see it differently, so that she could hear it differently, so that she could talk it differently, so that she could touch it differently, so that she could walk it differently. He's saying, son, daughter, I just want to engage in your upper room. I need to cleanse your thoughts. We need to renew your minds because you're missing out on so much because you refuse to ask. Your thoughts have crippled you. You're here, but you're not here. You don't have that joy that you used to have. You don't have that excitement that you used to have. You don't, you don't have that, that wonder that used to be there, that, that willingness to pray. You call someone in the middle of the night and start to pray over them and start to prophesy over them, but, but something happened and it robbed you of operating in that. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to rekindle that in this season. I want to I remind you of that passionate man and woman that you used to be, and I'm going to fall upon your upper room because as a man thinketh, so he is, and as a woman thinketh, so she is. And if you could just understand that I am the God who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever think or imagine, more than you could ever think or imagine, you'll start to see it differently. You'll start to hear it differently. You'll start to talk it differently. You won't look at your surroundings and think that the optics are against you. You'll realize that the optics don't matter for God. It doesn't matter what it seems like. God is God, and he could work in you where you're at. Would you Stand. Stand, stand, stand at every campus. Stand wherever you're at. Stand. Would you lift up your hands? Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit falls in this moment and evicts every, every evil thought that is in the living space of his upper room. Every attitude, every insecurity, every idea. He says, son, I'm not done with you. Daughter, I'm not done with you. Don't tell me the optics. 
The optics are no match for me. I know what it seems like. It doesn't matter what it seems like. I am God. And because I'm God, I'm good. And I can meet you where you're at. This is the moment, word of life, where you start using words of faith and you start speaking and asking and declaring and receiving and speaking and asking and proclaiming and receiving and asking and speaking and declaring and receiving. And you're going to start to see as you say it, it's going to happen. Not because you spoke it into existence, but because I willed it for you. I placed it there. So when you said it it was a testament of my goodness and the fact that you bear witness with my Holy Spirit this is the moment where you start to speak it where you start to receive it and in this season next year by this season next year by this season next year you will receive what you've been waiting on but be cautious because although it's this season next year, in order, to get to, in order to get to this season next year, you have to go through other seasons and other moments where it doesn't seem to make sense, where it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But I promise you, it's going to come around full circle. Stay the course. Holy Spirit, we invite you into every upper room represented, whether it's in this room or the other campuses. That Holy Spirit, you would fall and you would fill us and you would lead us and you would consume us and you would cleanse every ill thought and ill-fitting idea that is not of you or from you. Would you fall right now, oh God, and would you cleanse our minds that we would be those that ask, that ask, that ask, that don't have to wait a second time or a third time, but ask the first time because we know that we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or Imagine. In Jesus' name. Church, if you agree with that, can you shout amen?